your love on earth, Lord, like wildfire, that we have experienced a love unlike any other. Lord, we have been and we are being transformed by it. We just want to say afresh, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and fill those parts of our lives that are, that are crusty and hard and fearful and judgmental and broken. Flood us. Maybe be like one of those hard sponges that just turns supple and soft and useful and filled with the water of your spirit. Lord, that we live in you and you live in us. Come and sweep through us again. Lord, we're here today because we've tasted your love. We're here today because we've, we've heard there is more. So Lord, give us eyes to see and reveal yourself to us today. Not just in words that we hear or words that we hear read, but, but also in your very presence. Lord, may you be glorified in our minds and our hearts and our bodies and our lives. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. There was a bishop who was uh, visiting one of the churches in his diocese on Mothering Sunday, and um, he was listening to the, the vicar, the minister of the parish, preach. And uh, the minister stood up and he said in a bold announcement, I spent the best years of my life in the arms of another man's wife. Then there was a long pause and the minister said, my father's wife. The bishop thought this was great. He thought, when I'm visiting another church tonight to speak, I'm going to use that illustration. So evening came, the bishop stood up, and he boldly declared, I spent the best years of my life in the arms of another man's wife. Then there was that long pause, and then a longer pause. And he said, I just can't remember who. The Bible tells us that marriage, the marriage of the Bible story is the marriage between heaven and earth in Jesus Christ. It is the great story of reconciliation that spans the whole of the Bible and culminates in that wonderful symbolic vision of John the Apostle that's painted in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, whenever he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, 
beautifully dressed for her husband. The story of the whole Bible, if we were to summarize it in any way, we could summarize it in saying it is the marriage between heaven and earth in Jesus Christ. Whenever we're baptized, whenever or we're confirmed, it's a moment whenever we stand publicly and we say in front of witnesses, I do. I accept the proposal, the marriage proposal from Jesus Christ to be in a marital bond with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what the, the scriptural writers say again and again. That's what we're doing. We read the Old Testament prophets. They used the analogy of marriage over and over again. And in Christ, there is this wonderful proposal to us and this invitation to say, I do. The sign of a, a human marriage between a man and a woman is, is a marriage, a wedding ring. The sign that we have of saying yes to Christ is the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit within us. It is the sign, the Bible says, that we've said yes to Jesus, that we've been washed clean, made new, filled. There's this symbol in us. It is the very presence of God in us, the symbol that we've accepted this proposal to be washed clean, to be forgiven, to be made new, and to live our lives from now on in the wonderful, continuous presence of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as Christians, whenever we think about marriage, our understanding of marriage between a man and a woman is totally based on our understanding of the story of the whole of the Bible. So again and again, we see how Jesus understands human marriage and how Paul the Apostle understood human marriage and, and other Christian writers. The understanding that we have as church is that the marriage between a man and a woman is an echo, it's a reflection of Christ's permanent union with His church. Our marriages are temporary. We say, till death us do part. But there is one marriage that is not temporary. There is one marriage that lasts forever. It is the marriage between Jesus Christ and His people, His church, the bride of Christ. And so, in our Bible reading this morning that Karen read for us, we get a glimpse into how Jesus understands the entire Bible, how He understands His central role in it, and also how He understands what marriage is between a man and a woman. He says to His questioners, haven't you read the Scriptures? They record that from the beginning God made them ma male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Jesus acknowledges that Moses had to make rules about divorce, ones designed to limit as far as possible pain for both men and women, a man and a woman in the midst of the brokenness of their relationship and which apply when there has been sexual immorality. However, Jesus highlights that the call for a man and a woman to be faithfully married is possible with God's help. 
He presents his faithful love for us as the benchmark for human marriage. One that Paul the Apostle, when writing to the church in Ephesus, particularly calls husbands to fulfill in laying down their lives for their wives. Jesus also speaks about the high calling of being celibate, of living a life of abstinence, as he did, in order to have more freedom and time to express the love of God to a broad range of people. It's a calling that, that many find difficult, difficult to comprehend in a world that sees sexual fulfillment as a basic human need. Modern society finds celibacy such a hard thing to get our heads around because modern society tells us you're not complete unless you're sexually active. That's what the world is trying to tell us. The Bible tells us something entirely different. Jesus tells us that the highest calling of all is to follow in his footsteps. And particularly, he says, there is a particular high calling that some may be able to accept. It is the calling to follow him into a life of celibacy. It's a calling that needs to be rediscovered and embraced with the Lord's help. The first disciples initially viewed Jesus' call to lifelong faithful marriage as unattractive. They said, in that case, it's better not to marry. If you can't divorce that easily, it's better not to marry. They may have viewed the alternative option of celibacy even less favorably. But all of this was before Jesus Christ was crucified for them and was crucified for us. All of this was before Jesus Christ hung on a cross covered in blood with a crown of sharp thorns pushed onto his head with hands that were, were pierced, feet that were pierced, a side that was pierced. Whenever the disciples came to understand the great proposal that Jesus was issuing to them and everybody, everything changed. And so for us as Christians, whenever we have experienced the love of Jesus Christ, it changes everything. And what happens is that in that place, the call to live a celibate life in the service of Jesus Christ, or the call to live a married life, married to another Christian, suddenly becomes attractive when it's all in the service of Jesus Christ. And we realize that in all of our human relationships, the benchmark is the love of Jesus Christ. Last week, we, we looked at the, the wonderful call, but also the challenge within that call. The liberating truth the Bible presents to us is that everything that we are given materially 
is for one purpose, the glory of God. All of our wealth, all of our possessions, every material thing given to us is just for one reason. It's by which to glorify God. This week, the Bible presents us with an even more liberating truth, an even greater challenge, an even higher calling, and it is this. Our bodies, our very bodies, have been given to us for one reason, to glorify God. So Paul writes to the church in Rome, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who, who lives in you and was given to you by God? And then he says this wonderful sentence, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. We have a gospel to proclaim, good news for all throughout the earth, and this is our gospel. So often we reduce the gospel of Jesus Christ to something which is very narrow. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the restoration of all things. It is the renewal of the entirety of the cosmos, all of creation, including all, all material things. The Bible tells us that the whole of creation, everything will be utterly recreated when Christ returns. And for us as followers of Christ, the Spirit of Christ is already within us doing this work of renovation, restoration. But all of creation will be restored. Everything will be renovated. All things will be made new. The Bible doesn't say that, that all things will be scrapped and something will be put in its place. The Bible says that everything will be made new. Everything will be renewed. And this is true of everything, including our very bodies. And this is so important for us whenever it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, particularly in our world, which is, is obsessed with sex but gets it so wrong and leads to terrible suffering. The gospel that you and I have to proclaim, the one that we seek to model out in our lives, is one 
that brings great liberty and great life and great freedom. And perhaps most importantly of all, protects the vulnerable. Look around the world today and see the number of casualties there are because of broken families. The number of people who feel utterly betrayed because of the sum of the sexual relationships they've had. There is such brokenness in the world. And one of the main areas of brokenness is to do with broken families. It doesn't only affect the couple, it affects their children, their grandparents, and society as a whole. Many children are growing up today never having witnessed at close hand a stable adult relationship. Many single parents do a remarkable job in very difficult circumstances. They would be the first to acknowledge the ideal would be to raise their child in a two-parent household. The Bible's teaching is wonderfully liberating and it protects those who are most vulnerable. From the outset, the Bible declares God is for sex. He invented it. Sometimes we live, sometimes particularly in the church as Christians, we live as if somehow sex has taken God by surprise. That we think God will think, I, I, I never imagined that they would do this. Do you know what the first commandment in the Bible is? Have sex. Be fruitful and multiply. Propagate. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. There's only one way for human beings to be able to answer that call year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation, and it is to procreate. The only way for human beings to be able to fulfill the call to govern earth well, to care for the resources of earth, is to produce another generation. Otherwise, we cannot fulfill the primary calling that the Bible says is, our, is primarily why we're here. And so Christopher Ashe in his book Marriage says this, in the Bible's perspective, the way forward is neither via individual autonomy nor introspective companionship, but in the joyful shared service of God. The primary reason for marriage, the primary reason why God gave Eve, that Adam and Eve would live together in harmony, was not so they could have conversations. It was so that they could produce children. Marriage primarily is about procreation but it is also about relationship. And marriage from our Christian perspective, above everything else, is about 
living for God's glory and serving Him. That's why, as those who have been restored to Christ's kingdom, we are called to marry someone who is also a believer. Because the primary reason for marriage is to serve God together. And if God gives us the gift of children, to raise a new generation in the Christian faith. So God is for sex. He is also for marriage because He didn't just create sex. He also created an institution which is the, the only context where it is safe for sex to happen. And that is in the context of marriage between a man and a woman. God created sex not just for reproduction but for relationship and it's important for our modern culture to recognize that. Our modern culture dehumanizes sex by asserting that it is all about pleasure. Marriage is not primarily about, sex is not primarily about pleasure. It's about a person. It's about expressing love to somebody. One of the greatest ways we need to reframe as Christian community and for the world around us what sex is about is to say sex is not primarily about pleasure. Because that's why so many people in today's world feel utterly used. Because someone has used them for their pleasure. Sex is designed to be like a glue, to act that binds a couple together in lifelong union. Sex is powerful. Sex is for marriage. God's way is the best, and it is always for our good. We are called to live according to Christ's teaching and to tell others about him with confidence and with gentleness and respect. Every human being is made in the image of God. And whether a person is living according to the Bible's teaching or not, the fact is that God loves them. And he wants the very, very best for them. And so it's so important for us to live out our lives and to speak with compassion and courage as we point people to Jesus in the complexity of our lives and in the complexity of society. And to express the wonderful gospel of Christ that applies to every single human being. That Jesus loves us just the way we are. And he loves us too much to leave us the same. You and I have discovered that in meeting Christ, Christ comes to express his love. And part of the love that he expresses is saying to us, come. 
come and live with me. Come and live like me. Come and live for me. Step away from the things which are hurtful and detrimental to you. And step into life in all of its fullness. All of us need help in this area, every single one of us. As a church, we, we say that one of our cultures is to be humble. And so it's so important for us whenever we're living and speaking about things to do with sex and marriage and our very identity, that we're humble, that we're gentle, and that we're honest and say, you know, every single one of us needs help in this area. Perhaps today you need to accept the Lord's proposal to be in relationship with him. Perhaps today you need to receive forgiveness for an inappropriate relationship in the past. Perhaps the Lord is calling you today to end an unhealthy relationship or to receive healing for being betrayed or hurt through a relationship or to break free from unhealthy addictions like pornography or to find strength to resist temptation to be revitalized in your marriage, to have fresh love for your marriage partner, or to be affirmed in your singleness, or to find the right person to whom to give yourself in marriage. Perhaps your deepest desire this morning is to find healing and help to deal with the death of a much-loved marriage partner or to find healing for the pain of separation or divorce. Perhaps this morning the Lord is inviting you to say sorry and to start again. The missionary Jackie Pullinger, who has worked for decades in Hong Kong, particularly among those who are heroin addicts and involved in prostitution, tells a story of how about 20 years ago, one of the ladies that she had contact with called Alfreda was someone who had been in the prostitution business for over 60 years. She was a heroin addict. She injected her back three times a day with heroin. And when she got too old to work, she would sit outside a brothel and she would poke the open sewers with a stick just to keep them freely flowing. That was, that was her job. And then she met Jesus Christ. She moved into one of Jackie Pullinger's recovery houses which has done amazing works over the years, helping heroin addicts become free of that addiction. She stepped out of prostitution. At first in the recovery house, she was very difficult to live with apparently. 
but Jesus began to transform her life. And as time passed, she met a man called Little Wah, who was 75 years old. I think Alfreda was, was several years older than Little Wah. And they fell in love and they married. Jackie Pullinger describes the marriage as the greatest wedding of the decade. And she tells the story of how Alfreda walked down the aisle towards Little Wah, washed, cleansed, forgiven, and dressed in white. What a wonderful picture of the Church of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful picture of you and me the bride of Christ, washed of our filth, cleansed, made new, dressed in white, given a new start, coming to Christ. May we as the church of Jesus Christ be faithful to him and may we live faultless lives in this generation to the glory of God. I'd love us to stand and in this moment of worship to just quietly offer our bodies afresh to God Every single one of us, I believe, needs to be cleansed. Every single one of us needs to be forgiven. Every single one of us, I believe, needs to offer our bodies afresh to God and say, it's all yours, head to toe, it's all yours. And I want to assure you today, there is complete forgiveness in Christ. Don't listen to any little voice that says, ah, but boy, that was bad stuff that you were involved with. Let me tell you, Christ died to completely wash you clean. Whether it was 70 years ago, whether it was seven days ago, whether it was seven minutes ago, Christ is here to cleanse and forgive. So we stand, Lord, in your presence, and in a moment of quiet, we, we simply offer our bodies afresh to you as living sacrifices. All for your glory, Lord, head to toe, we offer you all of ourselves, our minds, our hands, our bodies, every part of us, Lord, we, we offer ourselves afresh to you. Take us, Lord, afresh. We are all yours. 
cleanse us and wash us clean afresh. Renew us and refresh us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, fill us with your faithful love. May the way that we love people be like the way you love us. And Lord, may our love be faithful to people. And Lord, bring healing today in us. Where there is, where there is a deep hurt in our hearts, where we felt deeply betrayed, bring your healing. Where we feel a deep loss of bereavement, bring your healing. Where we feel a deep conviction of what we've done in the past, bring your healing and forgiveness. May our conscience now be clear. I declare, Lord, in the name of Christ, forgiveness over all of us. A new beginning in Christ's name from this moment onwards. The past is the past, the old is gone. The new has come. Be free, be liberated in the name of Christ to live to the glory of God. And Lord, may we, as we live, as we speak, as we are examples to Christ, may we be filled with the compassion of Christ as we encounter the complexity and confusion of this world. Help us to be filled with compassion towards people and also to be filled with compassionate courage that when the right moment comes with gentleness and respect to point people towards Jesus Christ, the one who is faithful, the one who is true, the one who will never let us go, the one who will bring us through death into eternal life, into a new heaven and a new earth where there will be only one marriage between Christ and us, his people. Lord, fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit, the sign, the symbol, the marriage ring of this relationship that we're in with you, the most important relationship of our lives. Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we may live with a constant reminder of the glory of God and of the proposal of Jesus Christ. And Lord, send us out into this world to live and work to your praise and glory, to, to embody and to speak the love of Christ that brings liberty. And so may we see your work of great restoration carried out in the lives around us. and the poverty of human life made rich. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.